Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. I'm glad that we're going to have this hour together because it's going to be a fascinating one as we talk about education. And now that schools are closed, you might think education is disrupted, but my guest is going to argue against that. Our kids are doing just great and they're doing uh, school from home and online and we're going to learn all about that. And if you are a parent with kids at home and you're trying to figure out ways to improve how things are going and how to make things better, you're going to want to ask questions to my guest uh, Bethany Scudinga, who's going to come on in just a minute. The text line is already open. If you've got questions, 877-933-2484. Um, so let me take a little break, and we'll bring on Bethany. Hi, I'm Carter Dreblow, Director of Media Advancement for Faith Radio. Our spring fundraiser is coming soon, and I want to invite you to prayerfully partner with us in support of our ministry. Faith Radio is funded exclusively through contributions from friends like you, so you play a key part in helping us reach our operating goals. And keeping Faith Radio strong means the gospel message goes out every day and lives are changed. So join us for Spring Share beginning April 14, or make your gift today at 877-933-2484. Thank you. Faith Radio is available for you to listen to anywhere and anytime you want. When you listen to the free Faith Radio app, you can listen to the live stream or podcasts of programs previously aired on your mobile device. Just visit your app store and search for Faith Radio to download the free app. Then, listen the way that works best for you. That's the free Faith Radio app found in iTunes or Google Play. Enjoy Faith Radio wherever you go. Welcome back to the show. My guest, Bethany Scudinga, is the president of Avail Academy. Avail Academy, it's a Christian school right here in Minnesota. She has been an educator for over 20 years, both here in the U.S. and internationally. She loves kids and families. She's a wife and a mom, and uh, she's going to talk about what's happening right now in the educational system. And I can't wait to uh, open up the phone lines and let people ask questions and hear all about what's going on. Bethany, welcome. Thank you. So I know parents are asking the question, they're asking it all the time, am I doing a good job? It's a great question. How do any of us know, right? <laughs> I suppose, yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting climate that we're in right now with education. Um, parents have had something foist on them that maybe some of them wondered, can I ever homeschool? And they're finding out I never want to homeschool and I'm so glad I never have. Please take my kids back as soon as possible. Um, <laughs> and some are really enjoying this this new experience and it's really all over the board. But for educators, um, it's a new pivot in education for many teachers and for administrators as well. And it's quite a journey. Yeah. Bethany, tell me what it was like uh, when you had to let the kids uh, out for, it's, the, it's probably the year, isn't it? 
You know, at this point, the decision has not been made okay. for the year, but in Minnesota, uh, the governor's orders right now have been through May 4th, okay. and then it's a wait and see. Okay. So tell us a little bit about Avail Academy. So Vail Academy, uh, we have three campuses, and we are in Edina, Fridley, and Blaine. And in the middle of March, our kids were let out on a Thursday. We had a professional development day scheduled on a Friday. And in that short amount of time, um, we made the decision to close our campuses uh, due to the rapid escalation of events that happened in the next seven days after mm -hmm. that and switched to distance learning. We had been preparing for about a month before that, just in case it did happen. So it wasn't completely something that we needed to pivot over just a week. Um, our faculty had time to go through some more professional development and get their materials um, in proper shape to deliver in, in a distance learning format. But it was still a very challenging circumstance to put educators in. I would imagine educators, they love being in front of students. They don't want to necessarily be sitting in front of a, of a computer probably not as fun, is it? You know, I have talked to many of our staff over the last um, week and a half. We're in week two. And I've asked them, you know, how are you doing? And all of them have said, I'm so glad we can serve kids and families mm -hmm. in this time. But the joy that I have is, is really impacted because what I love about teaching is the relationships with kids. And it's just different when you can't be in the same room with them. There's something about physical proximity um, being in relationships, seeing each other, seeing each other's eyes every day, um, that helps with, you know, we're, we're invested teachers. We want the full learning experience for the heart, mind, soul, and body for our kids. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about just the adjusting the expectations of for what school and learning looks like now. You know, I, I'm going to be really curious to see in 10 years what what history will tell us about this time period that we're in right now. You know, certainly during the Spanish flu, they didn't have distance education. And mm. so there isn't much out there on what, what did they do about school during that time. But for us, you know, we as a country switched into distance education. And socioeconomically, I think there's a lot of disparities that we're going to look back. And we already know those disparities are there. How does it impact all of these kids testing, nationalized testing is going to be impacted. And even family dynamics at home, putting parents in the spot as almost co-educators in delivering this curriculum, even though it's for a short amount of time, it is quite, I keep using the word pivot, but it is truly a pivot from something that wasn't there to now the entire nation's in this situation. Mm -hmm. I'm going to need to ask some kind of dumb questions because that's all I got right now is when, when a teacher teaches a class, is it live streamed once and then that's it? You know, there's a variety of approaches that you would see in different schools all over the country. Um, there's something called asynchronous learning, which, which is some education that's not delivered in face-to-face in -face instruction in real time. That's asynchronous learning. And there's synchronous instruction in real time with a classroom of students. Some schools do all asynchronous learning, some schools do only synchronous learning, and some schools do a blended approach. Mm. And so for the age uh, grades like K through five and the middle school population and the high school population, it really depends on where kids are at developmentally, how much they can sit in front of a computer in a synchronous learning environment. It's most successful in high school, maybe some middle school too. But in K through five, it's difficult to have a synchronous learning environment. Mm -hmm. So what are you hearing from 
parents, just in, in terms of the, the big shift that's gone on in the world with kids at home all the time, they now have to make sure that they're doing their schoolwork. And I, I'm sure to some degree, the parents are grieving the loss of their kids uh, not in school, not being with their friends, not being in sports, not having social activities that they've come to know and love. And you hear of, especially when you get into high school and you hear about athletes that are missing their senior year and they're not going to play their their last season of sports and they're not going to, you know, have activities that they've looked forward to for so long. Um, what what do you hear from parents just in terms of that kind of grieving that loss? There is loss absolutely across the board and it's a layered impact on families. You know, you have parents who are at home working from home. That's a new environment for a lot of parents. So mm-hmm. they're adjusting there. Um, families are adjusting to spending so much time together because of the social distancing. And so that brings in a whole new equation and the lack of being able to lean on extended family and friends and neighbors for caregiving for kids is another layer of adjustment. And so as I read about what's happening to families and the things that they're expressing about the difficulties, I do see that there's it's hard. It's it's a grief all over the place of all of these losses and adjustment and parent guilt. And so how do families sort this out? And every individual sorts it out differently. It's like we're asking parents to be full-time counselors, educators, um, full-time cooks, chefs, housemates. Yeah. It's just a really interesting scenario for parents all over the place. Yeah. I, I'm going to continue down my road of dumb questions because that's all I got. So when you... Uh, when the teacher says, all right, it's time to take a test, close your books while they're home. So how does that work? Yeah. You know, assessment and figuring out how to really know if student learning is happening, I mm-hmm. think is a struggle for educators across the board. Um, can we rely on families to be proctors in the absence of teachers being there? I think there are a variety of ways that we can look at assessment. It's not always through the test. Um, Sometimes it's through written um, materials. There are ways that we can do synchronous testing Mm -hmm. in which all the kids enter a space uh, virtually and we can know what they're doing. So we're looking at all of those options and kind of learning things on the fly too, because this is a new environment our teachers have not been in before. Yeah. uh, Bethany, I would would guess that the stress level um, is pretty high for everybody. I mean, not to mention just what's yeah. going on in the world personally. And then now all of a sudden you have to shift from being at your school with your students, with them in front of you, interacting with them to now being teaching from home in front of a screen. I think the adjustment is truly um, something that each family is working through. We did a survey at the end of the week, and I know other schools have done this too, just to check in and there was a question on our survey of, you know, what's going really well. And as I read through those responses, and we had an excellent response from most of our families, um, they said it was so good to be back in school because it was routine. And it was a routine our kids were used to. And I kept hearing that again and again. And I'm an optimist. I, I like to think about what's going well and how our things shaping our current realities that we're experiencing that are good and helpful. And I I do think distance education is certainly not ideal for schools who are used to seeing kids in person, but there is a constant that provides relief for kids and parents and hope and an anchoring into something that they're used to. 
And I think that's a real benefit. Mm-hmm. All right, Bethany, let me take a little break. Uh, my guest is Dr. Bethany Scuttinga. She's the president of Avail Academy, which is a Christian school here in Minnesota. If you have a question about education and home activities that you're uh, going through right now, be a good time to ask. Text line is 877-93-FAITH, 877-933-2484. Be right back. We're talking to Dr. Bethany Scuttinga. She's the president of Avail Academy. It's a Christian school here in the great state of Minnesota, three campuses, and she uh, has been an educator for over 20 years. She's lived uh, internationally and taught overseas as well. Where where did you teach overseas? We might have lost you. You there, Bethany? All right. Well, we're we're not going to let you get away. We'll we'll get you back somehow, because I know we got lots of people still very interested in learning more about the homeschooling thing. I think you're back. Hey, you're back. Sorry about that. No problem. No problem. Um, I was asking you about uh, where you lived overseas and where you taught overseas. We lived in Jakarta, Indonesia, and taught at a university there about 14,000 students, and our kids were engaged in international school, and we loved our experience there. Wow, that's really cool. All right, let's get back to homeschooling. One of the things that I would think every parent is going to be moderately concerned about is uh, just the the additional screen time, unless they're on screens when they're at school all day long. Maybe they are. I don't even know. Yeah, I think the screen time debate is an interesting one. And I might even say definitions are important. We think screen time, passive screen time, things like TV, maybe some video games that do not require problem solving or physical activity. Um, That would be the definition of passive screen time. And then there's active screen time. Um, And I would put distance learning and maybe homeschooling uh, materials or tools that kids might engage through using technology as really good things that can be great for the mind to engage problem solving and watching videos that really cause you to think about things. So I I don't think all screen time is bad or Mm -hmm. negative. Um, It's a balance of passive and also active. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out how it works. Maybe obviously you'll be able to tell me, but when you have uh, a class and when I do like a conference zoom call and I have, you know, eight faces on my, on my laptop, is that the way it is at school where, where the students can see other students? And when a student asks a question, do the other students hear that question being asked? And how does it work? In a synchronous learning environment, that would be what a classroom basically looks like, where okay. there are screens open for every student. And the students should all be muted, and they have a little function where they can raise their hand, and the teacher allows them to enter the conversation. Nice. So it's, it's some coordination that teachers have to do. You can imagine how that gets out of hand when you're maybe K through five asking students to raise their <laughs> hand. Everybody's reaching for the unmute button. So it's pretty cute. Oh, it's got to be. Uh, yeah. The, the benefit for teachers is they can mute everybody and just say, I can't hear you. What's going on? So, yeah. They're um, going to want to find out how to work that technology once they get back in school. 
That's how to, right. How to mute everybody. You know, one of our teachers had bring your pet to uh, class during the day, and oh, okay. that had to have been the best thing ever to see all of these kids who could bring in either a stuffed pet or a live pet into the screen and share it with everybody. I bet that would have been a great thing to see. Yeah, outstanding. All right, now parents obviously want to help their kids with as much schoolwork as possible, but what about when the parents don't necessarily understand the subject matter? Let's take subjects like science, calculus, chemistry, some of these subjects where parents might go, I can't help you. Yeah. Distance learning still has a teacher on the other end, and maybe other schools are doing this differently, but I think a lot of schools who are in a distance learning model, they're requiring that their teachers are available during the day and have office hours where students can reach out to them either virtually through um, maybe a call, a Skype call, or Zoom or other product or platform, or they can call by phone. And those one-on-one sessions can be very helpful in having those questions answered. I know for our own kids, uh, they ran into some questions they had for math and it didn't take long for them to quickly virtually connect with their teacher and have a little session. They whiteboarded it and figured it out together. And so I would encourage all parents as they are working with their students to reach out for help. That's what teachers are there for. Mm -hmm. That's what they want to be used for. And no teacher wants students to feel alone or behind or discouraged by the problems they're trying to figure out. So reach out quickly. Yeah. Bethany, has the boundaries for teachers expanded a little bit? Are they getting emails at 8 o'clock at night now? And they're thinking, wait a minute, I'm having a personal life right now. Yeah, I think teachers are struggling with how do I create boundaries because it is a new environment. And that boundary discussion with each of our faculty members has been a different one from person to person. Some people appreciate being able to work at night because maybe they have younger kids who also need assistance during the day and they just can't be fully attentive to their work and their child at home. So for the season of time that we're in, and hopefully it's a very temporary season, I think faculty have to figure that out of when can they create boundaries and when are they on for work and when are they off and how not to check email all the time is an important piece for all of us. Yeah. What happens when some hands-on work, obviously, which can't be done. I mean, chemistry labs, that kind of stuff where you're touching stuff and you're experimenting with stuff and all that's now out the window, unless you're trying to do that at home, but you probably wouldn't want to do do that at home unsupervised. Um, So how, how does that work? So for some of the science labs, there is an element of creativity. Um, Some of it would be replaced with some video examples Uh, of an actual chemistry lab in motion. And it doesn't replace students having a hands-on experience, but there are definitely ways that lab can be taught in a virtual environment. Um, There are also chemistry types of things that are safe that some of the science teachers are trying to do. Uh, at home. And I promise parents out there, we're not blowing up kitchens or, you know, doing things that are destructive or damaging. But there are all sorts of creative ways to get students to think about things like motion, uh, creating movement machines. Um, Kids are digging through garages, looking at how can I take all of these pieces of lumber that have sat here for a long time and get some tools out and make things. And those are the pieces of the adventure that I think are really powerful because it's helping our students look at their environment that they're in and they're having to be creative too. Mm -hmm. Bethany, are there some teachers that are getting 
cut out of the program a little bit? Are there gym teachers that are going, oh, okay, kids, let's do some push-ups. How is that working? Yeah, for some of those special activities, and you think about choir and band Mm -hmm. um, and the music programs and library, we still have optional things that we've asked our teachers to create for parents and students, and we may move into making those mandatory. They are very important, and by saying that they're optional at this point has nothing to do with what we think is the value. We do believe there's value, but we don't want to overload parents with too much just to have a bunch of busy work for the kids to do. And so as students get their arms around the rhythm and routine of school, and as parents do as well, those pieces will be introduced to Physical education is really important, especially in distance learning, because there is the potential that kids are sedentary for long periods of time. And so uh, for physical education in particular, it's a great opportunity to have a family PE class outside. We joke with our kids about family walks being family PE time, and we've played a lot of basketball together and ping pong, and that's all sorts of great physical activity that we can build on skills that they already have. Yeah, that is really um, an interesting component. I mean, there's always ways that families can can get active and, and stay busy. But I'm thinking, too, of some of the, you know, you talk about band and, and concerts and choirs, and that is that is so rich. Uh, that's such a rich component of, of the school experience. And it must be really sad for students who love band and love choir that they're not able to do their spring concert or their spring play or whatever. And so they've got all this uh, energy that they want to use and they can't put it anywhere. We have had some great success in thinking creatively about how do we do um, song writing or even song performance in a distance learning format. And I don't know if you saw uh, the recent compilation by the Hamilton cast where they all phoned in from their homes. I think that's an incredible demonstration of how creative we can look at music and we can do those things. Um, And for music lessons, there are a lot of people who are doing virtual music lessons right now. And that's also a great way to keep people safe and um, comply with the social distancing and quarantine, but also continue to do the things that they love as part of their everyday activity. Mm -hmm. Take a little break. Dr. Bethany Scudinga is my guest. She is the president of Avail Academy. It's a Christian school here in Minnesota, Uh, If you have questions about the uh, situation you're in right now with the schooling situation in your home and you'd like some absolute professional top-notch advice, let me know what your question is. You can send a text over to 877-933-2484. Again, 877-93-FAITH. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the show. Dr. Bethany Scudiga is my guest, president of Avail Academy. It's a Christian school here in Minnesota. We're talking about what's going on right now with education and all the kids working, doing their school work from home. Nobody's getting detention right now, are they? At least from the I teachers. <laughs> At least from the teachers. So um, talk about you personally now. What, what have you learned about you as an educator? Uh, what have you found helpful as you teach your own kids? Yeah, as I've thought through this as a parent, I think it makes me a little bit more in tune with some of the struggles that other parents might have as well. Um, our kids are enjoying the experience, but it's not all easy. And helping keep them on task, keeping it exciting, um, it's not always easy to do. I think I've struggled with parent guilt, feeling like I am torn in a lot of different ways and stretched pretty thin right now. And so just a reminder to myself, and I would say all parents out there, to give ourselves a lot of grace as parents and to not have such high expectations of our kids that they're performing at the highest levels. Um, I think you mentioned it earlier, Bill, about how kids are going through a lot of loss right now, loss of friends, loss of things they really enjoy. Mm -hmm. And you know, I think that's important for us as parents to stop and take inventory of not just what a disruption it is for us as parents, but how is it impacting our kids and how do you talk about that? Yeah, great point. Uh, Bethany, what is uh, what do you see God doing in families at this time? Because you're probably talking to more parents than anybody and you're understanding how families are coping and how they're getting along. But what what do you see God doing in these families? You know, I see families who are Christian families looking at this Easter season a little bit differently. And um, that feeling of Lent, of giving something up, you know, this is this is nothing in compared to, you know, what we thought of Lent in the past. This is something completely different. Um, we have maybe given up chocolate and other things in the past for Lent, but giving up families and close social connections and school and all of those pieces. It's a beautiful conversation to have about um, what does this Easter season really mean? And often I think we look at Easter like there's this amazing resurrection that happens, and there is that, but hope and vision is often intertwined with grief and loss, and we're all experiencing that right now as families to one extent or another. And then we take away things like youth groups and, you know, maybe you saved to go on a missions trip, which isn't happening. There's all kinds of things that tie into the school year that... Um, would be another layer of disappointment for kids. You know, even though there is a lot of disappointment, and maybe it's just the parents that I'm talking to, but I continue to hear these stories of joy and gratitude about the time that they are getting to spend with their kids, with their families, in ways that they've never had to before. Um, in the hardness of being together, there's a lot of beauty. And you have real conversations because those family walks that everybody needs to get out of the house, different conversations come up than maybe what came up before. My husband and I ran into a family walking the other night and they had never been on a family walk before. <laughs> and really? Yeah. You know, I oh, think wow. that's, that's the reality for a lot of families. They're really busy with sports and, you know, different things that they're involved in. And this sudden slowdown of life, they fill their life with different things. And as we look at this journey together as parents, as uh, families, let's embrace it as a new adventure. And what are the takeaways that each of our families can really dig into deep 
conversations over the dinner table have been amazing for a lot of families. They've expressed gratitude about how the slowdown has meant they've had fights, they've had arguments, but they've had to process those things because there's nowhere to go. There's no escape. No. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. So when you think about ways in which we can be helping the kids or grandkids saying, I want to be able to help my grandkids, but I'm, I'm just not that accessible right now because I can't be with them. And yet I want to help them uh, grow spiritually in this time. I, I want to be doing everything I can to help them. Would you have any counsel or wisdom for, let's say, parents and grandparents to help their kids uh, grow spiritually during this time? That's a great question. Um, I have heard a family who had grandparents send notes in the mail of important questions to talk about as a family over dinner. Um, Some grandparents have journaled with their grandkids where they've passed a journal back and forth. And I think those are really neat ideas that are creative. They're out of the box. And sometimes we depend on that physical proximity to have the relationship. But you think before there was email, a lot of letters were passed. And there's something beautiful about handwritten notes and the intentionality and the time and just seeing the handwritten notes. I know of my parents and my grandparents, I have those saved. They're meaningful to me. And so for grandparents out there who are maybe listening, um, sending those letters, starting a journal with your grandchild, these are moments none of you are going to forget in in the years ahead. And what a keepsake that would be. Yeah. I mean, if the house is on fire, you run in and you get that box of letters that you know, you have and you've saved because handwritten notes are so powerful. They are. Yeah, I hope your house doesn't burn, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Bethany, what about kids that are, have special needs? I mean, that has got to be an, another uh, situation where uh, parents are, are they're going to be helping their children, obviously, but they're not getting their special needs schooling at this time. Yeah, I think that's a real challenge. And For children who have special needs, I think depending on schools and how they have extra support set up, the learning curve is pretty steep. Um, Parents are not professional educators in that area. They know their child and they love their child and they might know some things about their learning, but it's really going to take a tag team effort to work together with that child to help them stay involved, stay engaged, and especially not to become discouraged. I think for kids, one of the hardest pieces in learning is that feeling of confidence and having expectations for our kids that are reasonable during this time. I can't emphasize that enough. Um, If we feel like we're failing as parents, imagine how a child might feel if they're just not hitting those markers and they're trying but there's, their world is crashing down around them in some ways and giving them space and time to process that, but just taking it step by step, reaching out often to say, I don't know what I'm doing. Can you help me? I would hope that schools have people in place to receive those calls and to be attentive and to help parents with the things that they're struggling with. Um, I have a parent or a, a friend who's an educator in another school and She said it was just heartbreaking. A parent called her in tears and said, I don't know how to help my child. I feel like I'm failing him. You know, he won't listen to me. And that educator stepped in and they had a great conversation with the three of them as a team. 
And it's helping kids realize that we're here for them and we want what's best for them together. Now, Bethany, I would love for you to talk in glowing terms about how amazingly wonderful Christian education is. Mm-hmm. You're giving me that opportunity? Well, yeah, I yes, I am. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you know, I am. We've I'm got till five o'clock. Oh my goodness, that's amazing. You know, I'm an educator, so I look at education. All learning is phenomenal. I love kids. I love what happens in their minds as they learn and grow through the years. It's incredibly formational. And I would say this, when we look at how many hours kids sit in class and are active in class, the people that they're surrounded with and the teachers they're learning from are some of the most important people who will influence and shape their minds through the course of their entire lives. And when we think as parents that that time in education isn't impactful, we're kidding ourselves. Mm. I, I think about the importance of these teachers. You know, we talk about healthcare professionals and how amazing it is that they're serving. And I absolutely admire, respect. Um, I'm just blown away by all of the healthcare professionals who are stepping up right now. And I would also say for all the teachers who are bending their um, just backwards to help help their kids learn right now and the hours and hours that they're putting in. It's a different type of service to the world right now to these kids, but the the type of work they're doing is incredibly important. So thank you to all the teachers out there. I just want to give a shout out to our teachers. And um, Christian education, the formation of the heart, soul, and mind to be followers of Jesus, there is no greater joy for Christian educators than to be part of that journey with kids. And it is such an important one. Um, having our kids, I would speak for Andy and I's parents, um, having our kids in Christian education, there's nothing more that what we would want for them than to be surrounded by Christ-loving teachers because it impacts how they teach. How they talk about the world um, is impacted through their own personal worldview. And those of people we want to surround our kids with. So is that enough? I could speak for an hour. Oh, I could, I could go, I could hear a little bit more because you're on a roll. That's awesome. You know, I, I would still go back to those hours that kids spend learning and seeing God's world. Um, when they learn about math, do they care about math just because they love math and the, the addition and subtraction and working with numbers? Maybe. And there's a joy in that. But mm-hmm. when you can connect kids to this greater world of math and that God created order in the world. And we get to unpack that and discover that as Christ followers. And we should care about it because it's part of his creation. And then to think about the environment and what happens in our lakes and rivers and streams by the actions that we take every day. Why should we care about that? Well, because God made it. It's his. Um, Those are messages that our kids don't receive in public education. And I know that not all children can have access to public education. So There's always a sadness in my heart when we talk about that. I would love for our states to figure out how funding can follow a child so that parents can choose who maybe right now don't have that choice. But there is something so special about kids having the opportunity to learn about God's world in all subject matters with excellence by people who are Christians. Yeah, Bethany, I love the way you talk so uh, lovingly and tender about teachers Would you uh, reminisce with me about one of your personal favorite teachers? Mm, I would love to. I think about my fifth grade teacher in Rock Valley, Iowa, uh, Ben Huskin. He really made history in particular come alive. And I have this 
this great memory of him jumping on the desk as Paul Revere. And it was just <laughs> entirely surprising. And he did that year over. And I wish my kids could have somebody like Mr. Huskin. And they do have different people. They have different names. And they make it, you know, very entertaining and memorable. But the way that that teacher, for me, unpacked the world, not just historically, but through science and English and all of those pieces, really captivated me as a child of God to say, wow, this is amazing. I, I like being at school. And school's not always easy with social things that go on, and we learn and grow in community together through those. But when we can inspire kids to love learning and to see that God's world is worthy of being explored and unpacked and unfolded, um, there is no greater gift than to be walking with kids in that journey. Mm-hmm. I talked to a gentleman who is an administrator of a very large public school, and I said, tell me what a good day is like for you. And he said, well, a good day for me is if I don't hear from an attorney by 1030 in the morning. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I mean, what yep. what, what, is, what has happened in terms of you know, the authority that we once gave teachers that we've removed now. And I think it's a a tragedy because teachers uh, back when I was in school, I respected and revered them and feared them. And I obeyed everything they said. I mean, I I wouldn't give them any grief. And now I don't think teachers have the same authority today, do they? No, I'm really appalled with what I hear happening in some of our schools and in a lot of our public schools to teachers and in the classroom. It really degrades learning. And the types of conduct that I hear about are demeaning to teachers. It's a distraction in the learning environment. It's it's just absolutely horrible what it does to the learning of other students. And the fact that our teachers have to put up with that, and it really handcuffs them to be able to know what they can and can't do. Um, it's hard to teach in public schools in particular nowadays. Um, I do think that another piece of curriculum that I want to talk about is we call them something called through lines. Um, Those pieces of biblical knowledge that are woven throughout scripture that are applicable to our everyday life right now. And some examples of through lines might be justice seeking and creation enjoying and order discovering and all of those pieces and making the Bible relevant for kids. Mm -hmm. Um, People who are Christians who have their kids in public schools no doubt they're teaching their kids those types of things at home too. And they're probably doing double time, trying to reinforce those values, sometimes having to unteach some of the things that their kids are learning in other spaces. But when we can have that reinforcement through the churches and families and school uh, to really unpack the biblical themes, to understand God's story and what's our story and his bigger story, those are incredible moments of discovery where kids can start to put all those pieces together and really amplify this vision of what it means to be a person in God's kingdom as they grow up. Mm. Let me take a little break. Um, Dr. Bethany Scudinga is my guest. Uh, she is at availacademy.org. You can go take a look at their website. It is gorgeous. We'll be right back with more in just a minute.
Welcome back to the show. My guest, Dr. Bethany Scudinga, is the president of Avail Academy. You can head over to availacademy.org to learn more about that amazing Christian school here in Minnesota. So, Bethany, I know it's uh, probably a good time to just uh, try to encourage parents and and grandparents um, as best you can. I know this is just kind of a season. Uh, hopefully this is just one chapter, this pandemic that's taken over and creating a scenario that is a, a one-of-a-kind life experience, I hope, anyway. But uh, encourage that the parents and the grandparents, that you know, God will give them the strength and patience they need. Yeah, I think that's so true, that this is really a time to encourage and promote hope. Um, it is a journey, and as we look at this adventure that we're on, it's about... Um, an attitude and a perspective of how do we live with joy in this season. And that doesn't mean every day has to be joyful, but what is the way that we start our day? What are those rhythms and routines that we can get into to really make the most of our days? Um, As a family, for us, having devotions every night and really spending time talking to each other and saying, how are you doing? How are you really doing? And being able to look each other in the eye and ask that question Um, Is there something that I can do to serve you today and to really encourage our kids to do that to each other as well? Sometimes brothers don't serve each other well and honor each other well. Um, I don't think our kids are too different in that way. But what a great opportunity to really try to put into practice some habits now that will hopefully stick after the season is done. Yeah, that's a big that's the big point that we learn something and it sticks that we develop, right. we develop some new habits, new disciplines, and new way of communicating that we will look at down the road and go, that was pretty important time, despite and in light and in, in despite all the suffering that was going on in the world. That's right. Because there's never a shortage I'm, of suffering in the world. Absolutely not. You know, I'm seeing parents and grandparents and grandkids connect more so now through phone calls and social media. Um, Zoom calls, and I hope that's something that sticks for families. I think that intergenerational connection is very important. Uh, Maybe a question families could ask together, you know, of the things that we've done over the last month or so, what do we want to continue when this is all over? Mm -hmm. Um, What's going to be our new family habit? And it maybe just means picking one thing. Maybe it's three things. But I would love to hear what kids and families actually end up picking. You know, what are those things that they found a lot of joy that they didn't even know that they would love? Is it the family walks? Is it, you know, playing ping pong together regularly? Is it having wacky Olympics? What are those creative outlets that (laughs) families have done? Right. And is the uh, family dinner, do you think that's uh, back in full force? Oh, man, I hope so. I I do too. uh, I think it's so good for something that, I know we as a family have always tried to protect that time, and that's one of the things I've never regretted as we've raised our kids, that family dinners are really, really important in special times. But I know for a lot of families, that has been a hard thing to make time and space for. And I hope that's a takeaway for a lot of families, how important it is to share a meal together. Mm-hmm. Bethany, do you have any uh, advice for great topics to get started at dinner Maybe if, if we're not used to, maybe if we're used to eating on the fly, maybe now that we're all around the table, here are some good discussion topics to, to get into. Do you have any, any hints or ideas to share with us? Yeah, you know, finding a devotional as a family, 
We've tried to do that every year with our kids, and we've enjoyed that. Something that has questions built in that can be conversation starters. I know that has helped us as a family linger around the table after the meal is done. And um, talking about world events, there's so much to talk about right now. And how do you engage headlines in ways that aren't scary? But to talk about world events in ways that are developmentally appropriate is a great opportunity to help share what's happening in the world, but dismantling some of the fear that comes with that by reminding our kids that God is sovereign over it all. And we do have hope and we have a lot of things we can be grateful for. Um, we use a book, we're in the middle of a Tim Keller study right now, God's Wisdom for Navigating Life. And we have a 13-year-old and a 15-year-old, and we found the questions to be very engaging for that age level. And so that's something I'd recommend. Um, and coming up with questions, maybe sometimes kids can say, hey, we'll take the responsibility for asking a thoughtful question. Um, kids love that stuff. And I'm always amazed at the thoughtfulness when we give kids opportunities to lead, what they can come up with, and what a great skill that is, too, to develop kids in their own spiritual leadership and how that will carry over as a habit into the rest of their lives. Mm -hmm. Tell me about the spiritual. Uh, the spiritual um, activity that goes on at, at your school. I mean, is there a, a, a weekly devotion, a daily devotional, a, a weekly chapel? Is there something like that that goes on at the school? Yeah, when you think about Christian education, I think it's easy to think about Bible class and mm -hmm. communal times of devotion. And certainly those things happen. But when we look at worship at Avail, we see that all of life is part of worship. And so when we're talking about science, how do we talk about creation in the context of God's Word? Mm -hmm. uh, that's a really important piece to develop critical thinking skills for kids so that they do see the world as one thing, and it is under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Um, as we talk about bioethics in high school classes, how are we digging into that critical thinking aspect along with understanding we're spiritual beings? Um, you can't divide your heart and your soul from your mind. It's all one thing. And so that context of spiritual formation is woven through every single subject. And that's something I know our parents really appreciate because they don't want the Bible to be this old book that has some meaning today, but they're not sure. They love it that students are getting this integrated faith and learning experience that they get to apply right now. They don't have to wait someday when they're graduated to apply all these great things. They get to live those out in their neighborhoods and in their families and my hope and prayer is for every Christian school that they figure out ways to do the integrated faith and learning. Mm -hmm. Bethany, I, I should have asked you this in advance, but would you be willing to just uh, close our time in a word of prayer for all the parents right now and grandparents that are doing the school from home and all of the struggles and challenges that they're dealing with? I'd love to. Thanks oh, for asking. You bet. Yeah, let's pray together. Dear Lord, we just come to you um, after a conversation today, lifting up our teachers and the good work they're doing through distance learning. Lord, we thank you for the many gifts and talents that you've given them and for the service that they've given to their communities in creating these lessons and these plans. Lord, I ask that you be with the kids as they're adjusting to this new normal. Please remove fears that they might have and help them to be interested and excited to learn more about your kingdom. Help those who are struggling, Lord, to reach out, to ask for help. And I just ask for them to be encouraged, be a source of comfort and peace for these kids. And Lord, I 
I just lift up parents too in particular, help them to just be filled with your presence as they are the rock and the strength for their kids right now. I ask that you be with them, that they really dig in deep and that they can become the spiritual mentors and disciplers of their kids at this time. Lord, you're calling us into a new season as parents and um, we sometimes feel inadequate and we feel guilty about those things, but Lord, just help us to be gracious to ourselves about that. You go before us and behind us, and we're so grateful that we get to depend on you each and every day and help us to come to you often. Um, help us to sit down at tables together as families and really dig into your word. And may the habits that we're starting today be something that is fruit in our lives for years to come. And Lord, for grandparents who maybe feel isolated and alone and they're discovering a new normal, I just pray for them too, that you would fill them with your comfort and peace. And may they understand and recognize new joys and may their hearts be filled with gratitude as well. And as they looked for ways to connect with their families in new ways, give them creativity and the ability to do that. Lord, I just ask that you be with all of us during this time. Thank you for the beauty of Easter season that we can reflect on hope and the suffering, and all the pieces that come with that, Lord. We're just grateful to be in Christian community where we can be encouraged in this way. Thank you, Lord. Forgive us of our sins, thought, word, and deed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much, Dr. Bethany Scudinga has been my guest, president of Avail Academy. You can go to availacademy.org to learn more about her beautiful school. Bethany, have a great night. Thank you so much. You bet. That wraps up our show for the day. Thanks for listening. Thanks for uh, supporting Faith Radio. Have a great night, everyone. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.